The Town Whispers is a narrative horror audio drama that will tell the many stories hidden behind the fog and the rain and the trees of the Pacific Northwest. Those secrets which hold the world on shaking stilts is why listener discretion is advised. something in the waters of the fort. There was something in the dirt and the food which grew in it. There was a wishmaker that made all that a person didn't want to confront just disappear. It might have been sleep herself that whispered worms made of coiled dreams into the ears of the townsfolk, or it might have just been human nature. Whether it was apathy born out of a thousand little cuts and scrapes born of things beyond imagining, or some subtle magic that made the insane mundane, and thus invisible or incomprehensible. Tom knew many things, but he didn't care about a single one of those secrets or unseen sights. He did not care and he could not care because For reasons beyond his understanding, he simply took it for granted that life was just that way. Like all the other children of the fort, both those that still played hide-and-seek amongst the thick bush of the hedges bordering the town, and those children which had grown old and wizened, and who had survived the trials and tribulations of their more vulnerable years, Tom could not see what was right in front of his eyes and what he had been confronted with over the years because, while it was held too close, and it was blurred. Living anywhere else, it's easy to blame the simple troubles of life, the troubles that seem large and looming, but in fact are just the sharp edges of that life, on some omniscient and conspiring universe. But living in the fort, those troubles came too fast, and too often, for Tom and the other townsfolk to have time to think. Perhaps, the empty void above which held their world in its uncaring palms actually was alive and the source of their trials. In the fort, which was not the true name of the place known as the fort, but merely the name which ignorant settlers had once given it, a person didn't have to walk far to encounter unseen adversaries. If you lived in the fort and you opened your eyes, and I mean really opened them, 
you wouldn't have to look to the skies for swirling messages of warning or signs in the constellations. That which hunted, that which bit and chomped, was in fact much closer, and by proximity, much, much more dangerous. They were the trees that spoke when wind blew through their leaves that the townsfolk could not hear because they merely thought that's what a simple gust of wind sounded like. They were the caves which stood open with jagged lips that could close and consume, trapping those few brave enough to see what secrets those pits held. They were also the swirling eddies that made the river an impenetrable wall that corralled the sheep and spit out the bones of anything caught in their torrent. And most importantly, they were those seated with the secrets of the long shadows, which walked around, plain-faced, amongst their neighbors. Mildred Lapont walked the path to Riverside Sanatorium, feeling ragged, her soul wasted and worn to the core of her being. She'd been unable to sleep, attending to the things she'd come to call William. The days were easy enough. William slept cradled in the dirt beneath the LaPont home, nestled beneath the floorboards of the pantry and kept company by a swarm of spiders that warded away what spirits may be reaching for the child. Each night, though, William would wake, shaking the walls with his banshee-like screams, terrorizing Mildred with the incessant needs of raising a thing such as William. So, Mildred walked the path to Riverside Sanatorium, quietly, unable to muster the energy to say hello to anyone she passed and dreading each footstep as one came after the other, over and over again. Riverside was further and more hidden away, secluded in the bosom of the temperate rainforest with its towering cedars and pines. Then she remembered looked to Mildred that the road leading to Riverside was being swallowed by the collective consciousness of nature, the hive mind connected by an unfathomable network of interconnected roots. The sheer size of that being made up of many trees, which was legion. It all reminded Mildred of her insignificance in the world. Behind her, hidden, stalking, lithe and phantom-like, was none other than the legend Tom LaPont, proving once again that no boy or girl ever born in the fort had been as fast as him, had been as quiet and as quick as him. He was a shadow in broad daylight. He was a phantom made manifest and he was going to find out a thing or two about his mother that day, even if it killed him. Who or what was William? What had happened? What had truly happened to their father? Those were among some of the questions to which Tom sought answers. Answers which weren't for himself. He had found that he didn't really care. That he didn't want to question that which he found peculiar or unknowable. But Peggy did. Peggy with eyes wide open. Peggy, who did not speak but always listened. Peggy, who, whether he liked it or not, was his sister who, although begrudgingly at times, 
he loved very much. Tom didn't know what had happened the night that his father, Mark LaPont, had passed away. He hadn't even seen the body. He honestly had thought that his father had gotten in an accident working out at the mill. He'd accepted that answer without question, just like he'd accepted what Peggy had told him without question. While Tom was the quickest and the quietest and the sneakiest in the fort, he was not one who could resist the persuasive nature of the fort. Not the way Peggy could. And when he had found out William wasn't his brother, well, what a shock that would have been. If he cared. But Tom didn't care. His short life, like those that came before him, had been a lifetime of unanswered peculiarities. A lifetime of standing heels on the void with the breath of an unknowable thing that observed and scanned with a hulky mass of innumerable eyes and teeth. Maybe it was to protect himself. Or maybe, like a domesticated farm animal, ripe for slaughter, he was just apathetic and comfortable watching as the grain fell into his bowl each day, with no need or want for a purpose in his little life. He was following Mildred, his mother, for Peggy, for the answers Peggy needed, the answers he would need to be able to pet Peggy's hair and tell her it would be all right. Mildred, locked away in her own mind, trying to imagine the size of what was once born of a single seed, arrived at the gate. Unlike her earlier years coming to visit her mother as a small girl, nuns in habits no longer scurried around the grounds, doing busy work and maintaining the opulence of the architectural embodiment of oppression and confinement. Mildred ran her fingers over the rusted lock giving it a flick, dead center on the keyhole. The lock popped open with a metallic click, and the chain unfurled falling to the ground as Mildred walked through and up towards the front door, letting the wrought iron gate, which had once stood so opposingly, swing open wide and without care behind her. And through that snuck Tom. The grounds of Riverside Sanatorium were a rude reminder of the working care that was needed, and once upon a time had been expended upon the property to keep a building such as that intact. The lawn was pockmarked by dandelions which had run rampant in the warmer months, and the path which was built of hand-laid bricks now melted away as the dirt beneath it had washed out, and once or twice in the short hike up the lawn, Mildred nearly rolled her ankle as a brick or two wobbled precariously in place, pressed into the mud below her causing her to stumble forward. The grand arched gothic doors leading into the front foyer had been bleached by sun and rain, and it looked as if mice had nibbled their way in at the bottom, where there looked to be dry rot. The sisterhood of the living waters were not the sisterhood of yesteryear, and in fact, beyond what Mildred knew of Mother Cyprian and her own interactions with the woman she'd once considered a mother-like figure to her in her earlier years, she didn't know much about the Sisterhood of the Living Waters or what their mission was at all. The doors creaked as Mildred pushed it open. Once again, no attentive nun to welcome her back into Riverside. 
The front foyer still smelt of defecation, drenched in bleach, and after all these years, neither scent had one. Both still struggled to smother the other. The halls were kept tidy, aside from a few dried and crumbling leaves which had blown in when the door was infrequently opened. Far off, Mildred could hear the echoing whine of a trolley cart being wheeled from room to room, medicating those poor souls stuck within the walls of that sanctuary, that storage of the damned, that monument of the forgotten. Mildred, I have been expecting you, my dear. Come this way. Sit, child. Tell me what Mother Cyprian can do for you today. You know why I'm here. Mildred, we've been over this. A deal is a deal. It isn't a debt to me that you owe. You made your choice. You accepted the blessing. And now you must deal with the consequences. I've tried my best to shoulder that burden with you. You have to do more. You have to help me. It's all falling apart and I, I can't stop it. I can't protect my children. He promised me, but it wasn't enough. He? Did you say he? He is not a he, silly girl. He was a tree, and your children? Well, Mildred, they aren't really yours, are they? Not Tom, not William, not poor Ben, may God rest his soul, and certainly not Peggy. Mildred looked down, the same way she had when Mother Cyprian had scorned her that very first time as a child. And just like when she had been a child, Mildred still felt powerless and dejected. Tom lurked outside, ear pressed tight to the door, to the office of a woman he'd never met, named Mother Cyprian. Listening to every word, listening to his mother desperate for help, and listening to Mother Cyprian tell her there would be no help. By sneaking and skulking the way only he knew how, and by listening the way he'd learnt to listen from Peggy, Tom now knew. The thing called William, Peggy, poor dead Ben, and even himself, were not the children of the only mother they'd ever known. From behind, a tough, leathery hand gripped Tom's shoulder, and a voice spoke softly into his ear. Sneaky, sneaky boy, quick and quiet you are. I have a secret for you, a pretty little secret, tied up nice and tight, like, well, like a present. Would you like to hear it? The noose is tightening, neighbor. I hope you're ready, because it won't be long now. The dominoes are about to fall. And as Christmas lurks around the corner, I'd like to thank the first few who have walked the path of the unknown, who have chosen to see what is there to see for those who look, and have gone ahead and joined us on our Patreon. 
thank you, townies. We see you, we love you, and we can't wait to show you what we have in store. Now, for all of our neighbors and townies who dwell in the fort and support us by listening to us each week, we'd like to invite you to receive a complimentary one-shot short story on Christmas Eve. Yes, that's right. A Christmas tale of sorts set in the fort. All you have to do to receive the short story on Christmas is to text our town council at 1-604-227-1738. This is absolutely free of charge and purely a thank you from the Town Whispers production team to you fine folks delivered directly to your cell phone on Christmas Eve. Once again, the number is 1-604-227-1738. By texting this number, you'll receive an automated message, but anything after that will always be directly from either myself or someone else affiliated with the podcast. Just text us the words, The Town Whispers, and on the eve of your December 25th festivities, I will personally send you a link to the short story. Now, if you are listening to this in the unknowable future, and Christmas has come and gone, The time may or may not have passed, but you future folks should try it anyways. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the amazing Charlie P.S. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter, at The Town Whispers. Now, the fort is a town like no other. And there are many things to discover for those who are willing to see. Those who are willing to listen to the words and the vowels and the consonants made by the whistles in the wind. Have you considered joining us at the Town Hall? Which you can find at Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the town whispers. The Town Council has been diligent enough to go to the Patreon and set up goals that include digital rewards, as well as physical for those first few who walk through the streets of the fort. Have you signed and sealed your citizenship to the fort by visiting us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at The Town Whispers? There we will be divulging secrets of a different kind, such as Patreon-exclusive storylines, additional short stories, merch and swag, and much more to come. So make sure if you are one who is willing to face a thing with no face, that you meet us at patreon.com slash the town whispers. For more information on the show, head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com. I'm the one with the loaded gun in the eye seeing red
else to do, he's already there.